Another episode of Better in Bed, the podcast where we talk about sex and inspire you to get better at it. So thanks for tuning in to our um, global podcast today because we are recording from Sydney and Hong Kong. Yay! So you know we love hearing from you and if you have anything to share, get it off your chest at sarahsense.com. We have all the show notes to every podcast episode there for you. And if you follow Jai and I on social media, especially Instagram, we'll keep you in the loop on all the other exciting things we get up to. So today's topic is the future of sex tech. Now, you may have heard of fintech, edtech, health tech, but what is sex tech? I know what you're already thinking, robots or VR porn. And I thought that too, initially. Um, Not that many people are familiar with the term sex tech, but it is a 30 billion US dollar industry that's growing very quickly. So I think that's going to change very soon. I'm really excited to introduce our guest, Gavin Heaton, because he's going to talk a lot more about sex tech and where it's going today. So Gavin, welcome to Better in Bed. Thanks, Sarah. I'm glad and to Jai. be here. Nice hearing you again from Sydney. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, I am. I can't believe how close two of my worlds are colliding <laughs> right now. Um, I've known Gavin for just over 10 years now, I think. So um, to, to finally be doing a podcast totally outside what we normally chat about, although this is quickly becoming what we end up talking about now. It certainly is. <laughs> uh, it's pretty amazing. Absolutely. Pretty special, so so I met Gavin recently in Singapore at the sexual wellness festival called Spark. And Gavin was hosting Asia's first sex tech hackathon together with Brian Cole, who runs the Future of Sex podcast and hackathon series. So I guess it is one of those small world moments because Jai, you've been friends with Gavin also for ages. Um, and then we all met. It was like fate. <laughs> <laughs> just like fate fate or doom <laughs> and Gavin tell us a bit more about the, yourself so I know a few things you're the founder of Disruptors Handbook you've run loads of hackathons not just in sex tech and you've also developed a lot of accelerator programs within big multinationals what else keeps you busy and tell us how you got involved with sex tech uh, yes, well, good question. Uh, so I guess um, yeah, we've been doing these hackathons as a way of um, showing companies how to innovate for about four or five years now. And it's not just about the hackathons, obviously. There's lots of other things that go into that, about you know, change management and innovation and communications and future setting and all those sorts of fun things. Uh, so when I heard that Bryony was coming to Australia to do a sex tech hackathon, I thought it sounded like a fantastic idea, and I just wondered whether it was something that she might need some help with. So um, rather than um, sort of wondering whether the hackathon model might work, uh, I thought, why don't we give it a shot in terms of what we know, um, combine it with what Brian has been exploring for the last four or five years, and then see if we could bring those two worlds together speaking of bringing yeah. worlds together. And, um, and she said, yes, that's great. Let's give it a go. And then um, you know, I think about December last year, uh, the adventure began. Yeah, that's fun. And you've done the hackathons so far in, in Sydney. In and Sydney Singapore. And Singapore. Was, that was the second one. And there was one in, in New York, but that wasn't done with you and Brian. It was with us. Someone no. else. So what is sex tech? I mean, I'd love to hear what you describe in in your own words, and why do so few people know the term sex tech? I I think it's largely because it's a little bit confronting, because one, we already find technology confusing anyway, so when you add the word sex to it, it suddenly becomes a taboo topic. 
no one really wants to talk about it or they get a bit embarrassed. Uh, but really for us, uh, sex tech is really quite simple. It's any technology designed to enhance sexuality. Uh, that sounds simple, but it actually blows up the whole category as soon as you put the two together. So just think about um, where sex and tech could collide in our intimate spaces. Yeah. Um, on, on the most basic level, I think it's, if you think about your, the relationship you have with your, your phone, right? So it's yeah. your, most, your most intimate relationship that you have with a device. Yeah. You take it to bed, you, some people sleep with it under their, under their pillow, yeah. uh, you carry it everywhere, and if you lose it or you forget it somewhere, you feel anxiety about where it is. Yeah, it, it's, it's like this tiny screen of glass that so much emotion is channeled through that becomes kind of your window and your voice to the world that as soon as it's cut off, people people really lose their mind about it. Like it is, it is deep, like deep anxiety. This is not surface level. Yeah, so it's, um, there's a, a, a phobia they've called nomophobia. <laughs> it's just, literally, I don't have my phone. <laughs> um, but if you think about that and you think about the number of people who actually sleep with their phone, take it to yeah. bed and so on, then the idea of sex tech is it becomes really um, quite an easy one to understand because you've, you're used to it. You've got a Siri virtual assistant, or you've got a, a Google assistant on your on your phone. Um, you've got it in your bedroom. Um, you've got it on you at all times. Uh, it's it's bound to uh, lead you into interesting places. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's why maybe people's minds automatically think robots, <laughs> sex dolls. I guess. It, 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 everyone's stuck in like this 1995 version yeah. of tech where, yeah. you know, technology equals yeah. robot, like e equals Skynet. And it is funny, yeah. like, you know, you think it, with 2018 and people still jump, you know, straight yeah. to robot. Oh, exactly. 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 I mean, I'm, sex dolls well, and robots are, could probably come under sex tech anyway. But I guess what we're saying is that the definition is just much broader. Absolutely. And I think that's the most exciting part. So, you know, we can think about um, sex tech as VR, yeah. as robots, as, um, as sex toys, as vibrators and so on. But I think what's most interesting for me is when we think about the why yeah. of these things. So what is the absence that these devices or these things solve for yeah. us? And that why is intimacy. Yeah. So we struggle with that and we're trying to figure it out. And if these things, if these devices allow us to go into that deeper, more scary place, that's not just physical pleasure or release, then really that's where we start to change our relationships yeah. and our worlds. And, and I think that's the important piece of perspective is it's, it's not all tech has to be goal oriented, yeah. that you know, technology is a facilitator of understanding, information, access, education. And, and as soon as you start applying a different lens into, into purpose, and you know, as you said, asking the why, suddenly sex tech becomes so big and so yeah. broad uh, and it unlocks a lot of things that, you know, as you said, are taboo and therefore misunderstood and therefore yeah. people feel challenged by it. And, and I also think the, um, you know, the VR, the, the robotics and so on is, is kind of a, a simplistic view. Like yeah. it's, it's just like, you know, well, you know, it's, it's like not just yeah. a single purpose when really what we've got here is a goldmine of mm -hmm. human experience mm. and tapping into that is really exciting. And I think that's, that's um, in terms of the future of sex and the future of sex tech is really exciting because it's allowing us to really explore what it is to be, to, to have that sort of deeper sense of ourselves and our, and our own futures. Yeah, so I think that leads into my second question, which is sort of why and how do you think sex tech is changing the world or going to change the world? I mean, if it hasn't already done so. Yeah. Well, I think it's a little bit similar to social media was about a decade ago. <laughs> I think we've had this conversation before. Too, yeah. <laughs> um, and, it, and it does feel very similar to that in mm. that what we found uh, about you know, 10 years ago with social media was that it was opening up conversations that we have always wanted to have with people with like minds or like mm -hmm. interests. And that was really cool because for the first time, you didn't have to be physically located with the same yeah. person who shared your interests and passions. So you had a, a way to explore, um, and it was also really conversational. So it was literally about, um, you know, could you, could you um, use your creativity, your words, your, your language um, to describe an experience that others could be invited into? And so it was really exploratory in that way. And I find we're at the same point with yeah. sex tech as well, that we're actually opening up these massive, challenging, um, exciting, 
vibrant, taboo um, conversations that are that are really tr forcing us to um, to to go in new directions and to and to choose words, have language, and to have the confidence to mm -hmm. have these conversations that are so important in yeah. all of our lives. It's definitely that stage of revolution, and I think that revolution kind of has a lot to do with language and what, what is the language and the tools you give people to have those conversations. And that, that was always the biggest kind of yeah. similarity that I spot. It's like people didn't know how to have these conversations before, and now that by giving people tools and language and taxonomy around things that they couldn't talk about is yeah. probably the most important piece. And permission, you know, like yeah. even, even yeah. you know, these podcasts are so important because you're normalizing some language that, you know, when, when that you may struggle to actually speak in a, in a, in a private meeting, for example, <laughs> or, or, you know, in, in business, you know, you're trying to have these conversations about sex and tech, which is a, a, a market, right? But how do you have a, a market conversation when you kind of blushing on the inside? Yeah. I think that's interesting, especially when you bring it to what we do about inspiring people and helping people and giving them the resources and knowledge to become better in bed those having those conversations as you say um it's so critical so critical and also it's so lacking really <laughs> yeah. really lacking um what are some of the best examples of sex tech companies that you've seen here in asia pacific maybe start with asia pacific and uh, maybe asia pacific, then the rest sure. of the world well, I think the big, the big interesting trend, and it certainly came through in the Singapore Hackathon, is this shift to sexual yeah. well-being, and that's that's pretty exciting because once you start talking about the link between health and sex and well-being, then suddenly you have um, a way into a conversation that people should have, should be having, but maybe yeah. they're not having enough, and so I think that is that is the particularly strong angle, uh, which also then means we're seeing a lot of education. So. We're seeing a lot of education um, starting to emerge in the areas of sex, but also in terms of um, sexual well-being, not just for well-abled people, but also for people with disabilities. So there's some, some really cool yeah. stuff coming on there. Um, what we're also seeing, actually, is coming out of Japan, some really amazing um, robotics and AI. Uh, Gatebox uh, are doing really, really cool things with the way that they are understanding what a companion of the future would, would be like. And it's mind-blowing, not just in terms of the product that they've got, but think of it like a, an Alexa or a Google Assistant for your, for your life, for your intimate life, I yes. guess. Um, but taking it further and saying, well, uh, you know, how do we embed that sort of theory into our business practices? Yeah. And so they've actually done that. They've actually, they're building mm -hmm. some of those sort of practices into the culture of the company. So um, that, I think, alone is, a, is an innovation that is, is yeah. really exciting. So it's not just about the products that are going out there is actually about the, the way that yeah. they're engaging yeah. as well. I mean, I, I actually found um, personally from the hackathon meeting um, the people from Smile Makers and Vibes, mm -hmm. those were great examples, I felt, of sex tech as well. Not just because they were creating toys, um, but I think for Smile Makers, I think clearly you could see that they had a very strong mission behind them. Um, I don't know, Jai, if you remember Smile Makers, because in in Mannings and Watsons, you, have you seen these toys that are sort of very pastely colored? And there's one called like the millionaire, there's one called and the, the fireman, fireman, the French lover. <laughs> anyway, they actually got really good distribution. Um, in Hong Kong, but I think what I took away from them as well that was that you know for them it was really this idea of destigmatizing female sexuality and you know prompting conversations. They were doing interesting partnerships with um, artists, for example. Part of the Spark Fest had this uh, photography gallery where they had actually engaged a professional photographer to take photos of um, all of these women actually coming but just their faces um, so the different sort of oh I don't know uh, yeah so that's amazing the oh project oh so the really cool. four photos yes. before during and after climax that was yeah. amazing like yeah. I, I was just literally was you know 
voyeurism is the white right to use here, but looking through both your photo sets to try and find more of those photos. Yeah, like, oh, this it's is beautifully done. So I actually really like them as a company. And I mean, the thing is that sex toy companies and, you know, porn, all of that, it's existed for a long time. But I feel like this, this new generation of sex tech and what we know as sex tech um, are companies where the purpose are very purpose driven. And I think that's the difference. Yeah. That's the difference between just a traditional, you know, sex toy company that's existed for a long time, uh, for like since the seventies, eighties, where they're just making products mainly from the male point of view. And you know, we discussed this on a previous episode. A lot of them look like phallic um, symbols with all flesh-colored toys, mm-hmm. and not really serving like um, a wide range of consumers right especially women consumers and i feel like now with the new um generation of sex tech companies um you can see that their purpose is much clearer and it's much more social i think like socially conscious um for sure and i think that's what's interesting like you said about both vibes and smile makers uh you know they've both got great founders uh they've got very very interesting product development cycles, the way that they are working. They're not just sort of coming up yeah. with a product and then yeah. pumping it out. They're actually literally, you know, engaging in market research, yeah. you know, in a very yeah. interesting way. You know, they're, they're, they're really exploring what it means, um, not just from a product, but also from a, a materials perspective. You know, are these materials that are being uh, used, are they safe, you know, are they, are they um, making people feel comfortable? Do they uh, make you want to buy something, to use something? Uh, you know, it's it's really really yeah. interesting to see that that's coming out of out of Asia, um, and even just chatting with the Vibes folks, hearing about what they've got planned, like their product roadmap is yeah. is just astounding. And so it's really exploring uh, the the limits of, of what we what we what we think sex yeah. tech might be, and it's literally moving away from the technology. Yeah. It's moving much closer to the person. It's really quite exciting, and that's being led out of there. Uh, we've also got things like VR, of course. You know, you've got sex education coming out of Badoink. Badoink, really interesting. What things. a great name, Badoink. <laughs> Where are they located? I think they're la- I think okay. they're largely US okay. based, uh, but they're they're doing some really cool things with um, education yeah, yeah. around VR. So it's again, it's it's helping you Fantastic. explore new things um, and new yeah. understandings. The work that obviously that Unbound are doing to push the the, the limits of uh, public awareness around uh, female pleasure, around uh, adult products, and so on, uh, is really interesting. That the, their artwork, I think you can you can see now in New York sub- subways, or you will be able to soon. It's pretty it's pretty cool. Um, it's also taps into that 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 concept with the O project as well. The way that they're not showing, you know. Um, they're not showing the, the moments of climax. They're showing you the yeah. before and after. They're showing you the beauty of, of, mm. of the experience. And that's, that's what's really cool about it. It's like it, it takes it out of the, out of the taboo yeah. and into the everyday. Yeah. But is, I, I like that they've just done these interesting collaborations, not necessarily, um, I guess, marked with you know, artists and stuff, which I think is an interesting way of producing content that helps them overcome a lot of their advertising and marketing restrictions that we know a lot of these sex tech companies actually face. Um, and that was going to yes. be my next question, <laughs> which was, <laughs> what do you think are the very unique challenges for companies working within sex tech? Uh, well, there's probably three, I guess, they're the top ones. One which is funding. So you, one, you need to be able to um, fund your business and it's very hard to... Have a, like I said, it's hard to have a business conversation when everyone's talking about yeah. sex. Yeah. <laughs> um, the second one is market acceleration, and that's exactly what we're talking about here. So normally if you're a startup, there's lots of things that are available to you to test your market, to grow your market and so on, and even to buy services or, or sell your services. And at the moment, we have a real struggle around what is available um, 
to you, either in terms of things like Google AdWords or Facebook or Instagram and so on, you know, the uh, accounts get shut yeah. down really? relatively quickly. Yeah. yeah. As soon as you start to I don't know if you know that um, um, even for us, Jai, when I was trying to promote our live podcast using Facebook, they shut the ad down. I couldn't even, yeah, I couldn't even really? boost the post on Facebook. Instagram is slightly better, yeah. but Facebook, absolutely no. <laughs> And also that you know, so you've also got so you've got that side of things which are a real challenge. The other one is the mm. taboo and um, and the assumptions. I think that's the largest one. So as um, you know, as pioneers in the world of sex tech, you know, you guys are doing a great job of, of tackling some of those yeah. conversations. But paving the way um, in terms of opening up markets, um, getting people to normalise yeah. conversations around sex, is really really difficult. Yeah. Uh, especially so, for example, if we were thinking about. Uh, launching a new product, Jai, we might go yeah. to influencers, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, there's not a lot of influencers that are happy to stand up there yeah. with a, a vibrator in their hand and say, hey, check yeah. out this great new product. Um, so what do you think is the opportunity for investors in sex tech? And, and what's the opportunity for entrepreneurs? Why would anyone want to get into this field? Well, I think partly because it's a large industry that already exists. Mm. It's just exists below the radar. Um, that's, mm. that's the first piece. I think the second one is that it's an industry waiting for maturity. So uh, we've got a lot of um, assumptions that we have in this, that it's a fad, that it's not really real, that it's, you know, it's only porn, that yeah. it's, you know, it's quite um, debased. Whereas what we're looking at now is, is certainly from uh, the futureofsex.org mm -hmm. kind of perspective is how do we make this a sophisticated conversation? How do we seriously take into account the issues that we face as a, as a global population, as humanity, uh, in terms of our, our sexual well-being and our health? Um, how do we take those conversations forward in such a way that we all feel respected and have a strong mm -hmm. level of consent and um, you know, appreciation yeah. for others in, in this process? But also, what does it mean to make it fun again? Like, why do we, why, you know, this seems like a, a conversation that we can't have. But as soon as you start the conversation, everyone flocks in. So let's find safe ways yeah. to do that. Yeah. Um, I was just wondering if you had any words, you know, for investors specifically on how to overcome that. For sure. Well, I think basically it needs to come down to a, you know, investors will invest when there's a when there's a business and there's a market there. Uh, the one of the challenges is that most investment funds are made up of, um, you know serious and uh, relatively risk-averse uh, mm. you know, organizations. So they're looking at, at ways of um, securing their ongoing funding and their ongoing uh, yeah. you know, revenues over the course of maybe five or 10 years. I think part of the challenge is that sex tech has emerged relatively recently mm. as a category. So creating that category is always hard, uh, but we, we're seeing tremendous growth already just by corralling some of that. So that yeah. $30 billion is is kind of you know just like a, a seat at the table really yeah uh, it's going to be much much larger i think i saw something the other day around uh sex work for example and it's it's classified as i think about 160 yeah. billion really so you know we're these these markets are real and they're very large they're and they're hugely unregulated so i think the opportunity for investors is to provide some serious funding and opportunities and structures around this. I mean, that's partly what, why we're doing these hackathons yeah. and, and where we're heading with our accelerator programs. But it's this whole angle of saying, this is already taking place. There's yeah. already money being made. It's being um, unequally distributed, yeah. shall we say, um, and tending to, to be um, in very different sort of spaces. What we're going to find is we're going to see a lot more serious money coming yeah. into this space. And we're going to see some serious deep tech um, coming to bear on the challenges that we're yeah. facing with sex tech, and then once once those things happen, there's only and only take one or two, uh, then we're going to see some serious um, investment action. I, I think the biggest, you know, for me when I only had this conversation a few times around the investment side of it, but if you were to to be able to talk about an unmet need for almost the entirety of humanity, for the whole planet, yeah, what's it's your like, addressable yeah, market? Yeah, yeah. everyone, people, yeah. <laughs> Like that's all you need to say. Like so, the marketer in me is like, well, here's your market. Here's how much you know how much space yeah. is, is missing in this market. Here's here are the you know trends that are about to make this happen. We uh -huh. know people yeah. are already paying for something. We just know we can yeah. make them pay a lot more. 
And I think, you know, it is around permission. It is around how do we minimize the fear, but also how do we mitigate risk? Because there are some areas that are going, you know, are going to make some, have some very uncomfortable conversations because it's not well understood. So I think the, those smaller areas will disappear very, very quickly. And I think it'll, will overcome that fear and the credibility will increase a yeah. lot faster than we expect it to. Why is now such an especially unique time for sex tech? Um, because a lot of these, uh, you know, sex toys, <laughs> sex escorts, sex um, companies, they've existed for a long time. But what is it about the momentum that has been created over the past few years that has made the sex tech industry grow so quickly? I, I saw something saying it's estimated 30% growth. Yeah. Mm, year on year. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, to be honest, I think, and it's part of, part of one of the most exciting parts about this industry, is that mm-hmm. it's female-led. And I think the emergence of um, all the, the mainstreaming, shall I say, yep. of movements like Me Too and Time's Up is really hitting its strides. And I think this has got a long way to go, but it's it's really interesting to sort of see that the conversations that have been yeah. for so long driven underground are now being amplified. Uh, they're being picked up, they're being championed by strong women across the yeah. world. It's, it's fantastic. It's being supported by men who are saying this is unacceptable yeah. behavior from anyone. And we're seeing it sort of mo- uh, moving and growing in a way that is much more you know, much more respectful, but also we're going to find there's going to be a lot of challenges ahead because you know power doesn't doesn't uh, just hand over yeah. the reins easily, and it means that there's going to be some some challenges ahead. But it's it's happening for a reason, and I think it's happening because we have social media, because we have strong storytelling, because we have these um, these strong female leaders who are emerging yeah. and saying this is not acceptable, and they're taking taking on all those those. Uh, structural conversational power dynamics that are ready and right. I mean, I have to say also, I think um, being a woman and looking at what's out there, I really feel that the female population is very underserved by a lot of, Mm -hmm. I don't, traditional sex tech. So even like porn, for example, you know, very little porn for women, right? Very little that focuses on women's pleasure um, that's not done from a male-dominated view, which is why a lot of the, you know, which is why I think Make Love Not Porn and all of the other sort of emerging indie porn uh, female directors are actually changing that. Same thing for sex toys, right? For a long time, um, toys Mm -hmm. were, they they were marketed in a way that was for men with sort of very sexy porn star um you know uh, on the cover and you know all of them looked like penises anyway that were flesh colored so women don't like that right and i think it, it took a while for brands and for female founders to come out and say this market there's an opportunity because i'm not being served by this market very well well, the idea of female pleasure during sex was was still pretty uh, esoteric, yeah. even in the 30s and 40s. You know, you <laughs> lie back and do it for England and get a few more soldiers That's on true. the front line for uh, whatever world war was going to come up. So it's, on one hand, this, it's a natural evolution, but I think, you know, back to Gavin's point, there's never been such a, a greater example of, look what happens if you change leadership and who takes, you know, who, if you give, yeah. if you empower other people, how much better things can be rather than kind of being empowered by, you know. Yeah, the empowering thing yeah. is so important. And I, like a lot of people are like, oh, it's the same or, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not, it shouldn't be about that. But it is about that. And it's about understanding different things from perspective. And I think, not to jump too far ahead, but I think another contributing factor to the why now is, is the understanding of, ge- you know, fluidity with gender, uh, understanding, you know, the spectrum of sexuality mm-hmm. uh, and, and gender that's really starting to, it's, everyone's like, it's okay, there's so much gray area now, and, and that's fine. Uh, and I'm really interested to see what happens after this point, because right now we're, we're still yeah. shifting fairly binary. It's like male-dominated market serving men, and now I think we're getting a big balancing, you know, the pendulum swings the other way, so there's a really mm-hmm. sharp focus on disruption of women. And then I'm really interested to see what happens in the middle, like when that starts to center itself again, I think it's really exciting. 
I think that's what's been really interesting for me coming into this kind of category is that I've kind of approached it yeah. judgment-free <laughs> because, you know, you kind of have to. You have to. <laughs> uh, and, and, and as a result, because as soon as you look at something and say, oh, that's weird, then you're already labelling it and you're, you're limiting yeah. the experience of someone else. Yeah. In, in that. And, and so it means when I find things and Bryony finds things all the time and says, hey, have you seen this? Says, no. But, <laughs> oh, my God, it exists. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and what, cannot, what, ha, what has been seen cannot be unseen. But, hey, um, it's, um, it's really interesting to sort of see, think about what, it, what, um, you know, what the experience of people are and that they really are just people at the end of the day. And it's something that we find amazing about the hackathons is that it gives people an opportunity to come together and normalize their their experiences in a way yeah. that is they don't they probably don't get anywhere else. Yeah, uh, I think yeah, it's so easy to like kink shame somebody mm-hmm. you know, offhandedly, and I think that's where it can really limit the conversation. But and I don't know if you've had this, but certainly through doing this, I've had conversations with people that I just never would have had yeah. people I've mm-hmm. known for a very long time, and suddenly there's this whole new rich area of conversation that's you know kind of valuable to to a friendship or to a relationship that just wouldn't exist before. Well, yeah, and I guess, you know, in the hackathons, uh, for example, in Sydney, we had 90, I think about 90% female participation. Wow. Really? Yeah, which That's never happens. It's not a hackathon. It <laughs> never happens. And in fact, one of the teams uh, came up to me and said, Gavin, I have a problem. Uh, you know, I wonder if you can help me. And I said, look, I'll help you in whatever way I can, but, you know, what, yeah. what's, keep, your, what's your Keep challenge? it clean, buddy. <laughs> and she said, well, you know, um, we have um, too many females in our team we need gender diversity <laughs> and I was like wow that's, I've never heard that before at a hackathon wow. I've been to a lot yeah. I don't think I've ever heard somebody say there are too many women here <laughs> and for your reference Sarah Gavin's wearing his shirt I've just realised as well okay. yeah. let's remember to take a photo of it later because we always forget. that <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so I think, the, I think you know to come back to that question you know really the exciting part about this is that we're seeing the emergence of female founders. One, because they can. Two, because they have the ideas. And three, they've been waiting for this opportunity for a long time and it seems like they, they feel they have the permission, the knowledge, the expertise and the networks to try and make this a reality. And so I think we're going to see way more of it and, I think, and it's very exciting just because of that. And it's, tra- it's transforming an, this industry which has been largely dominated by the male gaze and the male perspective for a long time. And I think that's... Again, super yeah. exciting. That's what we call disruption, Absolutely. right? And that's really cool. Um, are there any specific areas within sex tech? You mentioned payments just now that you see are ripe for disruption. Yes. Anything else? I think everything is right. Yeah. So it's if we look at yeah. everything that it takes to make a business and then just apply this, a sex category to it. So um, what does it take to make a business work? Operations. What does it take to... Uh, marketing, you know, what does it take to sub- manage your supply chain? All these things are ripe for disruption because sex tech has a category yep. for them. Think of YouTube, you know, uh, you know that's what that's the space that Cindy's playing in with uh, Make Love Not Porn. Uh, look at publishing, you know, we're seeing the emergence of these really great niche publishers um, that are doing really interesting things. Uh, you look at, at um, you know, devices, look at um, virtual reality, you look at all of the tech categories. Yeah. Look at data. Data is enormous. In terms of sex tech, we're going to see a lot of that coming out, not just that is sex mm-hmm. tech, but is also really health tech. Uh, so we're going to see yeah. you know, category yeah. crossovers there as well. Awesome. So every, almost, every, every, almost yeah. everything is yeah. going to change. Fantastic. From now. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about the hackathon uh, because I think that's, that's really Ooh. exciting and it was my first ever hackathon um in singapore and again as i said i was blown away just by the the teams uh the people who turned up their energy but also the ideas so many great great ideas i Mm. I was hard pressed actually to pick the winning team right at the end but i'd like to ask you what you are trying to achieve with the whole sex tech hackathon series overall 
So we're using the Sex Tech Hackathon series uh, very, for a very specific reason, and that is that we need to catalyze this industry okay. in, in a very strategic way. So we need to know who the players are, we need to understand what their capabilities are, and we need to be able to help them grow their businesses. So that's really, you know, we're doing this in a very uh, you know, focused way uh, because we see tremendous opportunity, yep. but we see growth, um, and we see, and we see uh, I guess, a, a chance to make some real impact on the world. Um, by doing yeah. something that no one and else is eventually doing what you said is that all of the winning teams from the hackathon they go into an accelerator program and then and then a fund exactly. right and then a fund so yeah so what we what we're doing is we know this from the world of startups is that uh, you know starting a new business is hard work uh, so there are things that we can do to help that that happen so we've just about to kick off our first marketing accelerator for sex tech in Singapore with the team that won in Singapore. And that's super exciting. It's a 10-week program and we'll be basically taking them through okay. the business of sex tech and how we can create these new businesses in very short Amazing. periods of time. Okay. So talk us through what exactly goes on in a sex tech hackathon. Because not that many ah, people have okay. been to one. So it actually is. <laughs> No, indeed. Yeah. So, or even know what a hackathon is. So, <laughs> a hackathon is usually a very set period of time, usually about forty-eight hours, like maybe a weekend, where we we all come together to try and create new solutions to challenging problems. Now, the way that we frame them up is we we really need to figure out what the problems might be that are worth solving, and we always look at problems that are have a you know a human dimension, because otherwise, otherwise, what are we trying to solve for, right? So, if we think of sex and tech. That overlay, if we think of it as a Venn diagram, the middle bit is actually yeah. us, the people. <laughs> and so where do, where do they combine? They combine where, where, we, where we all meet and where we play. So bringing people together is really important for, um, I guess, a sex tech hackathon. And what we do is we work uh, with uh, organisations to frame up the challenges that they're facing so that we have a real-world problem that they want to solve. So in Singapore, we worked with Smile Makers to... Um, come up with a challenge around devising creative education and, and an open platform. Oh, sorry. I um, think, <laughs> I think they're, they're trying to overcoming uh, the advertising. Yeah. It's advertising avenues. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So specifically in Asia, it's, it's very, very challenging, but it's also yeah. it's the same challenge everywhere. How do we create um, avenues and opportunities for adult mm. brands yeah. to advertise to mm. the public? Huge challenge. Uh, then we worked also with FemPeers to look at the um, creative and edu uh, creative education and open platform around urban mm -hmm. and rural rural areas, especially in in India, for example, um, around um, the shame and taboos to do yeah. with uh, periods of menstruation. It's a, a really challenging area. And then on the future of sex side of things, we looked at uh, how do we bring couples closer together in light of leading busy lives, um, but still needing yeah. to be connected with each other. So we had three really interesting challenges, and we kind of pitched those to the teams who are either there as individuals yeah. or come as teams. And then we helped them form teams um, around those, those challenge statements. We, uh, as you might remember, Sarah, Friday night, it's a little bit chaotic where yeah. we sort of stand up and say, here are the <laughs> challenges. Um, yeah. Now we need you all to come up with your yeah. ideas and, and like pitch them back and say what up. you need. Like, um, I would that's it. You know, but it takes a while, right? Um, normally it takes... It's like hurting children, right? Yeah, it's like, come on, be brave. You know, what's your idea? And then <laughs> no one will stand up and no one will put their head yeah. up. But then all of a sudden, everyone, do, yeah. wants, everyone wants, wants to, to stand up and talk. And I mean, I felt like it was great that people did that because... You could clearly see that some of them really didn't have an idea, um, but they were just sort of making it up as they went along. But I, I felt like what was really heartwarming was they just wanted to be involved and they wanted to stand up and say something. Um, yes, yes. And some of sometimes it was literally that. Like sometimes yeah. you know, they stand up and go, I'm really excited to be here. <laughs> Um, oh, but I love God. that. Like I felt uh, that was so sweet, you know. And and then they were like, "I don't really have an idea, but um, 
Well, it's 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 partly the way that we design the, the programs. So what we try and do is we try and be, we try and um, yeah. lead the way by having great speakers. So you know, and, and you know, that means you have these articulate, passionate um, leaders that stand up and say, "So sex yeah. tech is not so scary. Here's what it's all about." Yeah. Uh, you know, Bryony did a great job of launching. Erin did a great yeah. job of talking about the Sparkfest. Uh, then we had these um, fantastic speakers uh, going into deep. You know, very short uh, talks, but it really just paves the way for everyone to participate, and that's yeah. the way that we that we try and do these hackathons. What What was your first impression, Sarah? Like, I, yeah. I, I imagine you haven't been to a hackathon before. Really, my first impression was that um, it wasn't that nerdy, um, and I think that's probably also because it was designed not just only for coders, right, or hackers. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. actually felt that there was a really broad diversity of ideas that, you know, a lot of the times I was expecting with a hackathon that it would be like very tech focused. Whereas the way that people were talking yeah. about the ideas, it was much more challenge focused and then the tech would come along as well. And But it was very big picture. Um, and that, I don't know, I guess it surprised me a little bit. I just thought, oh, it's just going to be tech, 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 here's the technology that can do this, and that's going to be amazing. Um, but I thought it was uh, the other way around. Yeah, so what we're trying to do, as I said, is we're trying to, we're trying to uh, identify the entrepreneurial teams uh, that are going to yeah. you know, create this new industry. And so yeah. that means they need to have a business focus. You know, to be honest, you know, we, can, we can create lots of tech, um, but the tech can come. Uh, the the cool thing is that by framing it up as we do with the hackers, the yeah. hipsters, the hustlers, and the humanitarians, it means that we're getting you know the coders that can hack, we're getting the UX people that can make it really look good, we're getting the business people who can pull together a pitch and sell it, and then we're getting this, the subject matter expertise around sex, around um, around psychology, around nursing, health, education, data, the whole yeah. you know, everything that's, that that we can pull together from what we know as human yeah. you know, uh, education and advancement, um, we can pull into these things and then we can use tech and the storytelling and you know the beautiful design and so on to really drive this forward because one of the things that's fascinating about um, the future of sex tech is that it's beautifully designed. I don't know if you've, if you've noticed, but the, the quality of the, of the packaging, the positioning, the marketing, it's really stepping it up a level. It's not ugly. It's not sort of below the radar. It's really great. Well, that's it. It's kind of come out of this era where there, there's a lot of bad mistakes you can learn from. <laughs> um, and there's plenty of bad sex uh, marketing out there. You know, so just, bad. Just years and years of shitty mark under the radar, you know, very kind of rough and rough and ready and, you know, back alley kind of marketing. But I think now, because I don't think you can get a... There's nothing more human-centered than sex tech. So human-centered. Like it, it, it just has to be that way. That's right. And I think you know everyone else who wants to do human-centered design, you know, for supply chain management. Yes. And I've sat there in those meetings, like, oh, this is dull. But when you're actually talking about intimate objects, yeah. experiences, it yeah. is human-centered because there is no alternative. And it gets people excited because you know we we had um, folks fly in from Japan. We had a team of four coders fly all the way from Japan. Yeah. Uh, to participate in the hackathon, yeah. and they were so excited to be there. I, I can't. I don't think I've seen yeah. so much. Excitement. We had a blind coder <laughs> a as well. We had, yep, we did. And, and a, a deaf UX person. Yep. Um, like UX from. Person. How, how impressive yes. are blind coders? Like, I mean, uh -huh. it just makes you feel like you just you're you're so yeah. underskilled. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like, I remember the first time I was, you know, with um, our friend Tim Noonan, watching yeah. him just operate machines and, you know, actually really craft UX yeah, stories. it's amazing. Yeah, it just blows me away. Um, I, and I like the way that the roles were balanced throughout the team. So people would come up with their idea, but then yeah. they would also say, oh, I'm more of a hustler and a hipster, so I'm looking for a hacker or I'm looking for a human being. Um. <laughs> But exactly. How important, important is that language as well? Everyone because, a role uh, as well, right? Uh, you know, uh, yeah. 
It, and, and when you're young, you don't know that those roles exist. Yes. You don't know that you fall into a category. And like, I was only thinking about the other day, you yeah. know, we, we just hired someone really new. They have no idea. They're like, I don't know what yeah. I am yet. And I'm like, yeah, you don't. And that's okay. She, and, and she was looking at me. She's like, so what, where do I start? I'm like, well, you can go and do this. You can, you can go and be a creative for this week and a strategist for next week. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really liked about the taxonomy you would build. It's like, they're the real things that we're talking about. And it's, you know, how do you, how do you start to self-identify yeah. on, on what your strengths are, where your weaknesses yeah. are, yeah. what kind of your blend and your makeup is? Because, you know, some people might feel one ca- category, but, you know, a lot of people are going to have like a blend of them in terms of yeah, the, exactly. abilities. And it's cool because it means that, you know, at a certain point of the hackathon, we start to, we double down on our roles. So, mm. you know, the, the team forming we, um, is really kind of fun. Then they kind of bed down and everyone's feeling really yeah. sort of comfortable. And then we get down to the business and we start to knock it out. And that's where they start to divide and conquer. Yeah. Then, you know, they start doing the coding. They start doing the design. They yeah. pull together presentations. They do some market research. And then it really, really pushes forward. That's that whole day Saturday. And then yeah. Sunday we do pitch practice and then we pitch live. And yeah. then that's it. It's, it's, you know, winners are grinners. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to talk about some of the winning teams and who won? Sure. So they were really cool. So actually the, all of the teams were, were pretty amazing. We had about yeah. 60 or so people, 70 maybe. And we had you know about another 10 or so mentors across the, the weekend. We had... Um, you know, supporters, we had, you know, people flowing through from the festival, so it was really great. So it was quite a, a vibrant area um, to be working in. But out of that came these, I guess, three really strong teams. The first one um, that won was called Closer, and it was a couple's wearable necklace, and it uh, can be connected um, and activated by your partner. And the idea was that it promotes intimacy outs- outside of your, you know, your normal zone. So it was literally, you could be at, at, at work, and you'd get a buzz on, on on the back of your neck from the jewellery, and it would be like a tease, you know, hey, I, I'm looking forward to you coming home tonight, <laughs> sort of thing. And it was beautifully designed because, you know, the people on the team were, you know, jewellery designers and product designers, so they had these great designers. And then they had a guy who actually makes um, makes uh, devices. Yeah, he devices turned up with a, so he's a, almost he's like a prototype of something machining. he had been thinking of already uh, that, that he'd sort of been working yeah. on for like two years wasn't exactly the same thing but it was you could definitely see from that prototype how the jewelry um, idea could really take you know yeah yeah exactly exactly and then they, they were supported by so their, their team kind of was very large they had 10 um, which is normally um, too big um, but what we did with those folks is just split them in two and then they, the other half of the team actually built out a marketing agency so they yeah. they developed their own marketing agency devoted to sex tech it just so happens that this closer project would be the first one that they would work on and so they literally built a teaser video overnight um, and performed it filmed it edited it together yeah. and and put it into the pitch which was just astounding <laughs> Uh, but it just shows you what can yeah, be done really quickly in a night. with the right it, skills and expertise. I think that yeah. that was what won it for them because it was engaging, it was funny, it was great video, it was well produced. Yeah. Yeah, they did. They did. And they did a great <laughs> performance as well like, you know, for their pitch. <laughs> they kissed, so hey. <laughs> I know. I, by the sounds of it, I wanted to hire most of these people. I'm like, these all sound like good agency people. Work, yeah. work all night, put something together. That's it. They were, they were on it. So, yeah, they're, they're really great. Um, the second team um, was called These Abilities, and they came up with a game-based education platform, which was uh, you know, I did, you know, primarily for people with disabilities to understand sexual wellness. Yeah. But it was this amazing um, coded working prototype that was uh, kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure for, uh, for a sexual or a intimate experience. And uh, what was really cool about it was it opened the minds of the team as well yeah. in, the, in the process. So, you know, they were like, what's this and what does that mean? And, uh, you know, they are going, oh, there, there is a whole category called um, BDSM. Um, what is that? Oh, really? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and, and he's like, what does that mean? And, and then they said they had to do a quick education yeah. with, the, with, the, yeah. with the guys. And they were yeah. like, wow, we didn't know this existed. Yeah. Um, so, um, so there was that transformation. But what was really nice about their technology was that they then 
patched what was a quite a simple coding um, platform into the um, the Google TensorFlow. Yeah. So it, the, it was a machine learning algorithm that was going to be, to make that experience better and yeah. learn over time. And then they tapped it into the Google Assistant, so it was yeah. voice activated. And so you had this amazing piece of um, you know quite a simple yeah. text-based um, you know, choose your own adventure that then suddenly came to life for people who can't see or can't yeah. hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's really and interesting. Like, wow, yeah. that's really cool. So and they the, knocked it out. Did they come with and this idea already? Because this wasn't specific to the challenges that were given in the beginning, right? Yeah, yeah. No, yes, they didn't come with that one. They actually <laughs> they, they formed a team with a, a coder um, who actually does a lot of hackathons. And and he was amazed. He was like, "Oh my god, I've never had to work right. with um, people with disabilities before." And it was eye-opening yeah. for him because yeah. he was you know he was there with these UX guys that um, you know were literally deaf. And well, that's it. You know, I always thought it was really lucky that you know we we know people like Tim. Mm -hmm. You know, who who you know being a a digital consultant who's yes. you know totally blind was just mind-bending for me in like 2021 it's like oh yeah that's how the other yeah. you know this is the whole inside of the internet no one is talking about exactly. and still to this day i don't think it's well understood like accessibility was never sexy yeah you know it was never it was never going to get that hipster kind of status yeah. when it really dramatically still needs it yeah absolutely and i think that's what's what's really cool we saw that coming out of sydney as well like the the hackathons um where there's a really big focus on enabling technology yeah. as well because yeah. it's something that we all need and it just so happens that you could start with um, people with a disability and, and the interesting thing was that the judges all said exactly the same thing. We love this, this but yeah. it's not just for people yeah. with disabilities, it's for everybody. We all need this. Yeah. You know, consent and respect is yeah. really, really important in any intimate yeah, relationship and that's what they were really focusing on. So it was really cool. Um, any other? Was it? Oh yeah, so the yeah there was so yeah the the V which was a, um, uh, a right. pocketable smart therapy for vaginismus, um, which included a dilator, an app, and a smart therapist. Yeah. <laughs> um, but again, it was really kind of cool technology that puts um, uh, the the woman in complete control of the situation. So um, a device that is controlled by her phone when she wants it, um, and and is um, you know, managed um, by by her for her. Is really really cool, and again, mm -hmm. you would think that this would already have been done, right? But it mm -hmm. hasn't been. So you know, a, a, an, amaz yeah. an amazing amazing um, solution yeah. in just the weekend. Again, really really cool. No, there were, there was, were you know, so there was, many. There was, you know, another half a dozen that were really great. We had you know, a, a, yeah. crowdsourced erotic um, fiction. There was um, you know, uh, <laughs> which I thought was really cool. There was a lot of education stuff, especially around um, teaching kids about sex ed and, yeah. and what not to be afraid of and how to have conversations, maybe even with your parents, not just your friends. Um, so, you know, it just, there were so many good solutions. I'm glad I didn't have to choose. <laughs> <laughs> so what impressed you the most about the hackathon in Singapore? And will you be doing any more in Asia? Ah yes, well of course both. <laughs> um, yes, we the the solutions were well one they were fantastic for the depth of skill that the teams brought. So we didn't have people who were just there to muck around. We had people that were there being very serious. They had great skills, expertise, and they were willing to put it on the line to really make something work. We had people, like I said, come all the way from Japan, but we also had people from Beijing fly in to sort of see what was going on. We had um, people from, from Europe um, speaking and mentoring, spending all of their time trying to coach the teams. We had um, one guy that came all the way from Thailand. He caught a boat and a plane to come to the hackathon. Um, and he was so excited. He was like, oh, uh, yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Um, and, you know, again, they came up with great ideas and they teamed really, really well. Uh, I think that was really um, what was so exciting is sometimes hackathon teams fall apart because of their, um, oh, you know, they don't maybe don't, don't communicate so well or maybe they've got very different ideas of what they want to do. And these teams really tended to work quite well together um, because they, they united around a shared vision and a passion for trying to change things. Um, so they, they worked really well and they saw the, the challenges and they, they really um, doubled down on that. So I think that's super exciting. It sort of bodes well for, um, and also the, the, 
the intensity of the weekend, I think um, that this seemed like a good starting point, but we needed to go further. We needed to do more. <laughs> so the plan is, yes, to do more. Um, and I think we'll probably be looking to do something um, later in the year, maybe in, um, in Thailand or in Japan. Uh, but what we're, what we're aiming for is, is you know, to do one every two months or so. Um, we've, I think the next one is in New York City in August. And then we're going to plan the rest of the year out as well. But the idea is to really start connecting the dots between these teams. You know, we've got folks in Sydney, we've got folks in Singapore, we'll soon have people in the US, um, people in Asia, um, people in Europe. Uh, we'll bring them all together and make this work, not just as small businesses, but as you know, global, scalable new enterprises. Yeah. I think collaboration is so key at the stage of sex tech where we are. Because I think everybody's so small and everybody's so... Right now, there's so many little, little things happening and I feel there's so many little niches. Um, and I feel like a lot of it, I think, to grow the industry, you know, requires a lot of these little players to just play nicely together. And I'm all we about do. that. We absolutely do need to play nicely. Absolutely. For sure. <laughs> and, it's, and, you know, it's hard because, you, you know, it's just that whole thing of... As things grow and as success is um, emerges, um, we just need to be careful about how that how that plays out, and to, to see that this is not a zero sum game. Like, you know, we're not seeing the emergence of one platform uh, like a you know a Facebook for sex tech, <laughs> for example, as the uh, as the dominating force. You know, we're going to see lots of players here, and you know, making sure that we lift. The, the you know the rising tide for all boats in the sex tech industry is what we're aiming for, and that's really um, requires good faith, um, openness, and communication. I think you know what you're doing with the podcast, what we're trying to do with futureofsex.org, and what we're trying to do with the hackathon series is to to do all those things. Yeah, I think one of the reasons why I started the podcast, besides the um, besides sort of to change the conversation and so on is to also help to promote a lot of these companies and help to give them a platform as well. So I'm all about trying to feature, you know, sex positive, um, sex tech companies um, mm -hmm. even within the podcast. And actually we've, we've had two of them, right? So we had Vera from Sally Coco. Mm -hmm. um, she talked about sex toys on that episode. And then we had Janet from Dame Products. Mm -hmm. um, and she talked about bridging the pleasure gap Mm -hmm. with us so we really try as much as we can to feature um and give these companies and founders a platform too well i think that sex positive conversation is really important and it's something that really uh, resonated with me when i first started looking at this was to understand what sex positive means and why and i, I mentioned it a couple of times in singapore and people really said oh what's that what do you what do you mean yeah and it's great because it's a, a really nice way to open the conversation because it's something that we, we do need to be careful of. Um, but by pushing that and by saying sex positive, you know, that this is the way that we want to go, um, it means people have a starting point and a, you know, I guess, a, a nice, um, relatively neutral way into a, a conversation that they may not necessarily want to have at all. Yeah. yeah. I think for me, sex positive is also the idea that it's a movement that embraces all aspects of sexuality, all aspects of sexual expression. Um, and I think that's really what we're trying to do here. Okay, I think we're going to do just a last quick se section. Um, Gavin, you won't have received these questions, but this is our like fun rapid fire section that we call quickie but goody. Um, listen to some of our other I'm scared already. <laughs> Some of our other episodes, you'll you'll be familiar with it. We just um, I shoot out a question. Everybody has about five seconds to answer. If you can't answer, that's okay. These questions are just meant to be a bit of fun. Okay, at a sex tech hackathon, would you be a hipster hustler, hacker, um, hacker or humanitarian? <laughs> I'll be the hustler. Oh, I'm definitely a hustler. <laughs> Okay, I think I'd be the humanitarian. Um, not surprising, though. Not to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, who would you choose to be the most successful sex tech entrepreneur and why? 
Steve Jobs, Jack Ma, or Richard Branson? Oh, see, I think Richard Branson already has a bit of a sex tech you know, under theme going. Yeah. <laughs> but I reckon Jack Ma is like a dark horse. <laughs> I couldn't look at that man's head and sex tech in the same conversation. I'm sorry. Yeah, He's a real smart that. guy, but I just... <laughs> hey, smart is yeah, sexy, <laughs> Big melon. So who is your pick, um, Jai? Oh, Branson for sure. Oh, yeah. oh, definitely. That 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 hair alone does mean. <laughs> yeah, and I just I just think whatever he'd do, it, it would be an interesting way at it. Exactly. And I'd hope he'd still keep calling it Virgin. That's yeah, right. exactly. But, I mean, that might limit your market though. <laughs> <laughs> but it would be so tongue in cheek. It would be so fun. Whatever he created, it and would. I think that would be successful. Okay, if you had to, um, okay, if Tesla created something in sex tech. What would it be? Oh, wow. Something with solar panels. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I was just imagining like a like a, a an immersive cocoon that you, that you that you get into to travel you know through the earth's core yeah. to another country. <laughs> so I imagine they produce something with mean, sex toy looking one of those drills. Sex tech. So it has to be an immersive cocoon where you can have sex in. <laughs> And travel. Yeah, <laughs> like it would be a, a giant. You know, what's it? he owns the Boring Company too. He does. That's yeah, what I mean. Yeah, like yeah, I was thinking yeah. of the Boring Company. I was like, okay, so you're in like a like a, a one of those really small Japanese love hotels. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine he'd make like miniature like uh, bulldozers or whatever they are, and then turn those into sex toys, and yeah. then you can you know have. Yeah. Have a bit of Tesla in everyone. Well, for, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, like because autonomous driving is is so big right now. <laughs> oh. I think we you could just build a car that was an autonomous driving car and that had sex toys all over it, and so you could just be having a really fun ride while you get to work. Right? You could, you'd never go to work. You'd, be, <laughs> you'd never get out. <laughs> Road, road trips get very interesting from that point. Ah, uh, swinging road trips. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's imagine that we had, all three of us, we had a sex park wonderland theme park. Mm. What would be your favorite ride in this theme park? Uh, <laughs> um... I'll, I'll go first. I think I'm, I I would um, create, like, I think I would do one of those water slides, but with lube. Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like one of those that go round and round, and all I would do is just, like, pour bucket loads of lube. <laughs> just, like, slide down. <laughs> In my head, I just keep coming up with a naked roller coaster, but I can't leave that idea now. Like I'm just like, that's, that's nothing. Can you I'm just wondering where you could do that. Everything. Yeah. Selfie. Yeah. <laughs> and like, especially those those ones that hold you like cradled, so uh, your legs are dangling, but like everything would be dangling. I'm just you. wondering whether you could do something like those. Kevin. Those, Tandem skydivers. Yeah. <laughs> There's ones yeah. with like the big fan on the Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Some kind of aerial sex. Weightless. Yeah. Okay, so if you had a million dollars right now to invest in any sex tech company, what would it be? That's a great question. Yeah. Hmm. I think Dame products are really quite interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I... I, I I, I think I think they 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 are quite interesting I, um, in terms of the of the way that they're going and I like the way that their products and their strategies are fitting together. Yeah. So I think that's really cool. I think if someone can track can crack that challenge the around payment. advertising adult sites and payments, yeah. mm. I think again that is, and I don't know whether the answer to that one is crypto yet, but it's. If you can crack that, then you know, you've got yeah. the, the next PayPal on your hands. Yeah, I think I would do something around the advertising thing. I, I think I would put it in. I mean, like my idea would be to like maybe create like a, 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 almost like a whole media company, right? Where you just create your own platform mm -hmm. and make it so big yes. that it doesn't matter that you don't have to necessarily use Facebook. It, like make it like the mashable for sex, you know, like for sex tech. Yes. Yeah. 
I living my sci-fi dream. Uh, <laughs> they're they're the company. I just had to quickly look it up. But it's called Realbotics, uh, and it is some really hardcore like AI, uncanny valley kind of looking robot. And I'm like, just if I had that obscene amount of money. I'd have to do it. I'm like, let, let's see how close to Skynet we could get. Yeah. So it's like, like you like the idea of the mean girl. That's yeah. The mean robot yeah. that's going to be mean to you and horrible to you. Yeah. Treat you like Treat dirt. garbage. <laughs> it, it ends up annoying me and I put it outside all the time. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, like no, I, I would that do idea, that. You would need like maybe a hundred million dollars though. Yeah. <laughs> like big investment. Yeah. You, you should check them out. Like re- real bots. Real bots. The one I heard of. Yeah, and you kind of design them and stuff, and yeah. Anyway, I I, I don't know how far they've gotten with it yet. But. Designed with a real bitch face. Yeah. <laughs> and I want it. I want it to get worse over time. I want it to age quicker than me. Everyone should attend a sex tech hackathon once in their lives because. Because it will change the way they think. Okay. Because it it'll give people hope. Oh, I like that. Um, because. Sex is a critical part of who we are, and mm. how we all, how got, we all got here. How we all got yeah. here, exactly. Most of and it. you know, we need to talk about this stuff, and we need to solve problems for it. So, cool. That is the end of today's show. Thank you so much, Gavin and Jai, for joining me. It's been so much fun. Um, it has, it been, has fun. been great. I really hope that people listening to this episode understand more about the world of sex tech now that um, they've made it all the way through. I hope they've made it all the way through. Um, but I, I hope you also see how the world of sex tech is really changing the world. Um, so listeners, you know, do something for me. I would love, love, love if you went out and found a way to support your favorite sex tech company out there today. You know, we've mentioned a whole bunch of them already on this episode. Um, uh, Tally Coco, Dame Products, Realbotics, all the ones um, <laughs> that we talked about, including some of the ones, some of the ideas that came out of the hackathon. Um, I'm sure you know a lot more in your own community as well. You know as well the challenges that exist um, in sex tech and it's kind of tough as well from a personal point of view, sometimes being in sex tech, um, you know, going against the stigma that is in society. So I know that these founders and these companies would really appreciate your support. So, or go out and start your own sex tech venture because the world needs you and we need you (laughs) and help us and the world be better in bed. So thanks everyone. Thanks Sarah.